I now have an excuse to shun church. I now have an excuse. So by shunning the church, I am not learning about the church. By shunning the thing that God purposed, I am not learning about God. And in the meantime, my unforgiving spirit is a festering mess. pastor here at New Life Community Church, and I thank you so much for turning us on and joining us, and I trust that the Lord is going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here for the next several moments around the Word of God. We're right in the middle of a series that we brought to New Life uh, many weeks ago. It's one that we've called Be Careful Without Turning, or we've titled Be Careful Without Turning. In this particular segment, we're dealing with the issue of the church. What do you know about the church? Now listen, I'm not just talking about a building, but in some respects I am talking about a building full of people. What do you know about the church? What kind of an experience have you had with the church? Anything? Nothing? All wonderful or something bad? Everybody has had some kind of an experience with the church, Either good, bad, or indifferent. No involvement with it at all. Well, we're going to be talking about that. I'm a big fan of the church. A huge fan of the church. Primarily because, watch this, Jesus Christ said that He was going to build the church. That's important. And it undergirds everything that we're saying in this particular series. Now, our text passage is taken out of Joshua chapter 23. But I want to go to another passage right now and put this before you. And we're going to jump right on into the teaching. Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. Again, Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 30. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And the Word of God puts it this way. Anyone who isn't with me, and this is Jesus speaking... Anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person listening into this telecast, and I pray that by your word you would speak to their hearts, draw them close to you, help them to understand your purpose and plan for the church your purpose and plan for them to be a part of the church, to be a part of that which you promised to build. And we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about marriage encounters. So don't run off. Uh, We've got some great things to talk to you about. God bless you. Ridgeway, Virginia, they have no idea what the church truly stands for. No idea. They have no idea why we are here. 
They have no idea, watch this, why we are necessary and essential for every last one of them. This place is here for the loathers and the disdainers. Isn't that something? I want to go a step further. There's too many of our own attendees that have no idea about the purpose and role of some of our most significant objectives here. Let me ask you, what do you know, you men that are looking back at me this morning, what do you know about the Bereans men's Bible study? What do you know about the care and compassion groups, the CNC groups we call them? What do you know about the Sunday morning prayer time? Those of you that were there this morning, wasn't it awesome? Can I get an amen? All eight of you. What do you know about that time? Stick with me. This is one of my famous parentheses. When I meet non-New Life persons out in the community, and you wouldn't believe how many of them I run into every week. When I meet non-New Life persons for the very first time, if I have an opportunity, I generally attempt to dig into their spiritual acumen or their spiritual awareness. It's something that I actually enjoy doing. And typically it comes out with such interrogatory inquiries, for lack of a better way of saying it, as, are you connected with a church Fellowship, my words are chosen very carefully. Now, the responses are generally friendly and congenial. Notice I said generally. But at the same time, it's not unusual. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not unusual. It's not unusual to get one of these, here is why I am not connected responses. Those are like totally fun. (laughs) They then proceed to tell me quite often, watch this church, about a rotten experience they endured with a church. Everybody say a church. Usually the facts point toward a conflict with an individual, not the church. Are you following me? Now, I'm not going to elaborate on this too much. But typically, if you can get that person, and it's a chore, trust me, I am a pro. Do not try this at home. But if you can get them to talk, you're going to find out they are at least 50% 50 of the blame for this issue. Are you with me? And I'm talking about for the rotten experience. By the way, if you can get them to admit that, admitting just that much in most cases would resolve the conflict or at least be headed in that direction. So, either to mask some guilt 
or some unresolved conflict, which by the way, unresolved conflict, beloved, is the harboring of unforgiveness. Doing so, they embrace this anti-church filter. Watch this. It comes out sounding like this. I now have an excuse to shun church. I now have an excuse. So by shunning the church, I am not learning about the church. By shunning the thing that God purposed, I am not learning about God. And in the meantime, my unforgiving spirit is a festering mess. How did a guy from Satspahal get all of that out of, do you belong to a church fellowship? Hey, let me ask you, how do we deal with these folks, really? How do we deal with these folks? How do you deal with folks like that? Pastor Terry, how should I deal with folks like this? What say we follow Jesus a little bit more? Are you up for that? Let's eavesdrop on Jesus over in Matthew chapter 12 and see what he had to say. New Living Translation has him saying it like this. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. I think that I am right to teach you this morning that those that, and this is headed to one of your study notes, those that do not purpose to help build that which Jesus purposed to build, I'm talking about his church, those ones must be in opposition to Jesus according to what Jesus said. Now, what I'm about to say is going to sound harsh, but it's, it's reality. It's fair to say, beloved, those opposing Jesus are his enemies. They're his enemies. And Jesus spoke pretty openly about the fact that he had enemies. He also put forth very emphatically how to deal with such ones. We can read about this in Matthew 5. Let's eavesdrop on Jesus a little bit more. Verse 43 of Matthew 5. You have heard that it was said... Here's what you've heard. Here's what you've been taught. Love your neighbor. And they all said, rah, rah, ree. And hate your enemy. That's what we've heard, isn't it? Love your neighbor. Hate your enemy. Verse 44, Jesus says, but, but, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wow. He continues on in verse 46. If you love those who love you, and he asks some questions, what reward will you get? Are, you, are not even the tax collectors doing that? Verse 47. And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Jesus said when people act like that, when they act like enemies of the church, pray for them. Listen, beloved, instead of prayerfully dealing with these folks, far too many have opted to join in. You following me? So, 
the anti-church sentiment. And how many of you know that is prevalent in our world today, our culture? It's epidemic. You're talking about epidemics. We have the epidemic and then we have the epidemic. Most persons with this anti-church sentiment do not realize that view, watch this, beloved, lumps them in with the anti-God and anti-Christ group. They just haven't thought that far ahead. Now, let me come back to the church because repentance begins in the house of the Lord. Say amen if you know that's in the Word of God. It is. We like to point to such overt hostilities as the evil government. And things like COVID shutdowns and extreme cases that perhaps have plotted against some selected churches. And those cases are out there, trust me. We like to do that and then pretend that that is the root cause of the anti-church view. In other words, we've distilled it into a political issue. Listen to me, beloved. It's not political. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. Let me speak for just a moment, and I'm beginning to wind down. I'm about to run out of notes. If I don't get inspired between now and then, we'll be at Clarence's in no time. Let me speak for just a moment about something that is more of the root cause of the anti-church sentiment than the -the after-the-fact manifestations that often garner the headlines. One of the reasons why the church is being attacked is that we have become a soft target. Listen very carefully, and you can fill in the blanks here. These things just kind of popped up for me as a convenience. While we are going on quote-unquote picnics and quote-unquote making memories, in effect, embracing the unchurched view of things, the enemy is steadily devouring. Listen, beloved, he keeps the pedal to the metal all the time looking for a spirit-filled saint to run over. The primary culprit on this front is those that belong. I'm talking about church attendees, in many respects church members that are more committed to the juggling of other gods. Remember that graphic from last week? It'll be coming up again here very shortly after you fill in number six. But they're more committed to the juggling of other little G gods than they are holding fast to the Lord our God. Does that look familiar to you? Oh yeah, God is in my life, but so is this, and so is that, and so is this, and so is that. All of those things that if you look into the life of an unbeliever, an unchurched person, you'll notice they're juggling those same things. Now let me suggest to you this morning to be clear. 
I'm not talking about juggling the cares of life. I understand as well or better than any of you about the cares of life. I not only have to juggle my own, but for the last many years, I've had to also juggle my uh, aging parents, and I have to juggle a lot of your cares, uh, the cares of your life as well. I understand that completely. But I'm not talking about juggling the cares of life, but rather at the end of the day, I'm not, it's not so much that, that people are juggling the cares of life as it is they have way too many things in the air that is, watch this, competing with their word time, competing with their seeking God time, and competing with their ecclesia time. Which I want to add this morning paints a truer picture of how and why the church is being bullied by our enemies today than we may care to admit. Let me ask you a couple more questions and we'll wind this up. Do you know where your Bible is? Well, that's a stupid question. It wouldn't be for a lot of people I know because they don't have a clue where their Bible is. Can I ask you this, New Life members in particular, members of New Life Community Church, whether you're here or listening by way of live stream, how many chapters have you read this week? Perhaps a better question is, how many verses have you read this week? How much time have you spent this week listening for that still, quiet voice? And I know all of you mommies here with two and three or more children are thinking, Preacher, are you serious? Quiet time. And you really wish you had like a spiritual slingshot right now to catch me right between the eyes with a spiritual marble. I get it. Yeah. Hey, you moms, listen to me. It's more important that you find some of that time. Talk to some of the older godly women. They'll help you understand what I just said is true. Notice I said help you find that quiet time. Hey, let me ask you, does this gathering mean anything to you? Yeah, pastor, today, can't you see I'm here? I didn't have anything else to do. It means a lot to me today. <laughs> does this gathering mean anything to you? Can I speak prophetically to you? These times in the United States of America are going to become increasingly important. Not just in buildings like this, but gatherings like this where we're finally able to find a place where we can get together out of the eye of the authorities and talk about the things of God. Are you listening to me? It's not going to be like 1940. Wasn't it the Statler brothers that sung a song about some about 1940? You remember that? If you were a Statler brothers fan, probably you're not. You ACDC fans don't get that. First John. Uh, by the way, nervous laughter ensued. Did you catch that? First John chapter four, verse four. What time is it? Do I need to wrap this up? This is Jesus speaking through one of his inspired writers. He says, you, dear children, don't you love that? 
you dear children, dear, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Who is them? It's the enemy and all of his little menemonyms. You have overcome them. Here's why. Not because you're all that in a bag of chips. Because the one who is in you, remember a while ago I talked about being born again and spirit-filled? If you're not born again and spirit-filled, then you can't resemble this passage. Because that's what he's talking about. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Number seven, fill this in and you put your shoes on. I have to ask myself, self, does the church of America believe 1 John 4, 4? I'm pausing for emphasis. Check this out. What about the little church on the outskirts of Ridgeway, Virginia? Do we believe 1 John 4, 4? You'll have to make up your own mind. Watch this. If you don't believe it, then this church doesn't believe it. Make sense? Can you imagine with me, instead of the average six or eight people that believe this, what if we had 20 or so that believe this in the prayer meeting on Sunday morning. Are you following me? Instead of a handful that believe this, what if we had about 20? What would this be like? Sad, some of you don't even know what that could be like. But if you were birthed into the kingdom through a revival, you know what it could look like. What if you raised that number? <clears throat> I almost did that in the past tense. I said rose that number. What if you raised that number to 30 persons in that prayer room on Sunday morning that believe 1 John 4, 4? Or maybe 40. By the way, I'm trying to do a little vision casting this morning. I'm sharing with you my heart this morning. Every week I'm looking up like, oh yeah, I know another one's gonna come this week. I just know somebody else is gonna get it this week. Hey, what if this whole church began to believe this and showed up on Sunday morning and began to call down the powers of heaven and trust God to do only what God can do and not what we can do? Joshua 23, 9, the Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand. Wow. Because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. Verse 11, and this is sort of kind of where the title for this series comes from. Be very careful to love the Lord your God. Not just in Him or on Him, but entrusting your life, entrusting your agenda to Him. 
being careful without turning. Pray with me. Beloved, we're going to wrap it up right there. And I want to speak for just a moment to the church. If you claim to be a born-again member of the forever family of God and you are connected to the church, I want to speak to you. Are you living up to that which God has purposed for you? I want to remind you of the graphic we showed just a few moments ago of that clown juggling all those balls. That is so representative of so many who are a part of the organized church today, but they may not be a part of the church. And I'm not here uh, to speak to you in a condescending way. I'm here to speak to you in a way to encourage you uh, to know God and know His purpose and plan for your life. So many seem to have this attitude. Well, I believe in God and I'm going to heaven someday and that's all that matters. Well, I have two questions for you. First of all, how do you know that you're going to heaven someday? And is that all that matters? The way that you'll go to heaven is by having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what the Bible teaches us. And beloved, once you become a, a member of God's forever family, we have a task to do. We have been sent. Jesus says He was going to build His church. The church means something, and the church has been sent into the world to tell others about Him. It's not this, hey, I've settled the issue in my life, and that's all that matters. That is not true. Now, I want to encourage you, if you are a part of the church, to stand up and to begin to act like the church. Part of the reason why uh, so many have this skewed, flawed idea about the church is because they're seeing a skewed, flawed idea from the church, a skewed, flawed uh, reflection in the lifestyle of those who are a part of the church. Now, let me talk to those of you that are not a part of the church. You can't use that as an excuse and come before God at some point in time and point your finger and say, if they had, because God's going to ask you what you did. Just pointing out others' uh, indiscretions and others' faults and weaknesses and shortcomings, that's not going to make you a fit candidate for heaven uh, any more than they may be. You have a personal responsibility, and I want to encourage you to find God to, uh, through His Son, Jesus Christ, and to establish a relationship with Him and to begin to live that out. And help Jesus do what Jesus said He was going to do, build His church. I trust and pray that you will be a part of that. Lord, I do lift up each one listening and right now. I pray for those that have been born again, that they'll be spirit-filled, and they will be in pursuit of your purpose and plan for their life. I pray for those that have not been born again. They have not established a relationship with you. May today, right now, be the time when they purpose to do that. And may they read and understand your word and uh, allow it to make application in their own life. And may they pursue you and live out for you and help you in this task of building the church. We pray and ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, before I get out of here, let me remind you that one of the ways that New Life has purpose to, uh, to build the church is by building marriages. We have marriage encounter, which takes place right here at New Life. Uh, the 20th annual, actually, been doing this for a long, long time. It is a weekend event, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. 
uh, March 25th, 26th, and 27th. It is a cost event because there are a lot of costs involved in it, uh, not the least of which is the food that the participants partake of. It's $35 a couple. It's not just for New Life folks. It's for anybody and everybody that would like to come and be a part of this uh, married couple. So uh, we would encourage you to give us a call. The contact information is there on the screen somewhere, wherever I decided to put it. And uh, we would love to hear from you, would love to connect you to Marriage Encounter. I'm Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church, wishing you a great week. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is he coming back?